psychotherapy, coaching, or psychedelic-assisted therapy? Which one is the best for me? Over the past century, many different methods for facilitating transformation have been developed. And relevant to therapy, we can distinguish at least three generations of approaches. Psychotherapy, coaching, and psychedelic-assisted therapy are the representatives of those three generations. But which one is the best for you? Should you go to a traditional therapist? Uh, should you get a coach? Or are psychedelics more suitable for you? This is what we look to answer in today's episode. Welcome to the Shift Happens podcast, where we believe that it only takes a small shift to make a radical difference, whether that's a shift in perspective, a shift in mindset, or a shift in behavior, or in the way that we relate to each other and the world around us. Join us each week as we discuss the art and science of meaningful transformations. From relationships to neuroscience and psychedelics, we explore existing and emerging tools that help us gain agency over our life. So without further ado, let's let magic unfold. Let's make some shit happen. Although the answer to our question today is totally subjective and very individual, and I would like to start with a full disclosure, and that is that this platform, in neither of the episodes, am I uh, trying or attempting to provide any kind of prescriptive advice. Um, I'm just merely here to inform. And if you're looking for a specific help with identifying the best therapy for you, please contact your physician or a GP. Uh, what I share on this platform in general is uh, merely my personal, non-medical, non-scientific, non-prescriptive opinion based, of course, on research, merely because I am interested in neuroscience and I'm very passionate about the uh, evolution of certain topics. And uh, it is, of course, based on my own personal experience and the experience of my clients. So now that we have uh, that out of the way, let's get to the uh, essence of the topic of today. Um, when we're looking to identify a best approach, I think it serves us to um, remind ourselves a little bit more of the broader context of the emergence of a specific therapy and perhaps it's also good to um, look at how therapy has evolved over the past generations and years and uh, primarily I've structured this episode when I was thinking of what I would like to share. I structured it um, over three generations of therapy um, and uh, I would like to take you through uh, each one of them individually next. So let's start with the first generation of therapy. And the first uh, person that comes to mind when I think of the first generation therapy is Freud. Who doesn't remember Freud? He is the archetype that best represents what we are thinking of when we're thinking of first generation therapy. Of course, there are others, but he's already accessible and helpful uh, enough as an archetype. So when you're thinking of Freud, what image comes to your mind. For me, it's immediately that black couch, the black leather couch, the patient laying down on the couch, uh, the therapist sitting in a white lab coat, taking some notes silently somewhere in the background. And this kind of sums up what the first generation therapy was about. Our focus was primarily on the problems, on the mental disease, on the mental condition. And 
often we saw it as stemming from something far off in the past. Um, we looked at our situations merely through the lenses of negative events that caused the present problems. The presupposition of psychotherapy was that um, intellectual understanding of our historical causation would free us from the grip of our problems. So for a couple of uh, decades, we have been essentially rehashing the past to try to free up um, ourselves in the present. And the role of the therapist in the tradition of psychotherapy is that of a kind of a distant expert figure, <laughs> the, the med scientist who diagnosed the pathology of the client and then devises some kind of a scheme or a strategy to correct the pathology. And most of the time, the corrective method or the corrective uh, tool that was uh, given were antidepressant or medications. Um, then in that sense, what uh, first generation of therapy did is um, we, it, it taught us to relinquish control to someone or something other than ourselves. So it, it, either we put our uh, life and our mental well-being into the hands of the, of the guy in a white lab coat or we put it into the hands of the pill in our pocket. Uh, we relinquished it from ourselves. So we didn't believe that we had any power, any control. Now, the conscious mind is where most of the work in this generation of therapy was taking place. And of course, while in many ways useful, this, this traditional therapy has prepaved the way to where, where we are today. So I'm not um, denigrating it or I'm not um, uh, trying to say that it didn't have um, any useful purpose. But this approach was um, ultimately uh, not optimal in the long term because, well, it took too long. Uh, it, it costed too much, it labeled people, and, well, we have limited tangible results to show for. Um, so, yeah, it only makes sense that a second generation or something else would come in place, and that's where the second generation of approaches start to emerge. So what is this uh, second generation of approaches? Here... Uh, we started to suddenly emphasize a person's positive goals. We started to look more at the future, at more uh, rather than the past, uh, action over analysis. This is where we started to deploy gratitude and positive affirmations instead of recollection. We, we looked at solution-focused future orientation instead, instead of ruminating over the past. So these approaches uh, started to infiltrate traditional psychotherapy at first. And... Um, there are diverse therapy uh, methodologies that emerged um, as that we already know, such as um, Gestalt therapy from Pearls or Eric Burns' transactional analysis, um, perhaps uh, hypnotherapy of Milton Erickson. So at the same time, the field of human potential movement started to arise in the 60s and 70s. And um, this movement rejected patho uh, pathology, so it rejected the labeling in favor of, of uh, positive changes uh, that uh, would be introduced through increased awareness, the self-actualization, um, through emotional self-regulation. So these new methods shared uh, a client-powered 
more positive, future-oriented view and stood in stark contrast to the first-generation therapy. They eventually, uh, these approaches eventually um, evolved in the 90s and resulted in the emergence of what we today call coaching. And the listeners, you, the ones who are listening to this, and uh, we already all accept that coaching is not for the sick, it's not for the broken patients, but for all of us, the uh, healthy, normal human beings who are just looking to slightly improve our professional or personal life. So coaching has become en vogue. As soon as we liberated, you know, therapy from the crazy stigma, uh, coaching has become so attractive, in fact, that it resulted it, uh, in becoming one of the fastest growing industries in the world with an estimated global market of uh, value of about 15 billion in 2023, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, however, in positioning itself in contrast to traditional therapy, coaching declared areas like you know, historical work, digging in the past, uh, analysis, uh, kind of irrelevant or less important. So we understood the role of the unconscious and suddenly we started to heavily focus on that. And these methods um, look to actually devise strategies and schemes that helped us to bypass the conscious mind and um, disassociate from it in order to dive deep into the unconscious and start finding what we're looking for. All our all the goodies were in the unconscious mind. And um, they focused on, you know, we, we would take the conscious mind, put it to sleep, start feeding it affirmations, um, start feeding it suggestions, um, in, in any case, we, d we did anything that we could do, even sometimes applying confusion techniques to depotentiate the conscious mind. So the conscious mind suddenly now, here we go, is the enemy. So what do you get when you have two generations of therapy fighting one another? Well, you get a third one coming in to mediate. Well, the first two generations of therapy stood as polar opposites. The third generation approaches emerged to bring about consolidation. And uh, as my teacher or the father of generative trends, Stephen Gilligan says, the first and second generation of therapy considers the both, uh, the conscious and the unconscious mind of the client are to put it blindly, idiots. <laughs> so yeah, then, then it makes sense that that's why we need a coach or the distant uh, father figure, the smart therapist, um, to save us from the idiot selves. So we put the therapist in a superior role and we wait for him or her to do wonders for us, to save us from ourselves. And how has that worked out for us? Well, if you look at the world around us, if you look at the mental health conditions uh, in the world today, um, which have been increasing exponentially, which have, which have seen a rise of at least 13% um, only in the past decade. And we're talking uh, before COVID. So I can imagine that these statistics are like only double after COVID or during COVID. And 300 million people worldwide suffered from anxiety. About 160 million suffered from major depressive disorder. Another 100 million from the milder form of depression. So neither one nor the other generation in and of themselves brought us relief from our mental agony. If they would have been effective, 
we wouldn't have been suffering so much. We would have seen a decline in our mental health issues. Of course, there are other elements and other cooperative components that have contributed to the way we feel. But um, uh, while these, these, these conditions and circumstances occur, so should have therapy evolved to counter those circumstances. That's how evolution works. And it has, because then we see a third generation of therapy um, uh, emerge in response to the failures or the, the shortcomings of the first and the second generation. So we start to pay equal, at what happens in this third generation, we start to pay equal attention to both the outer game of a person's past experience, the history, the traumas, decisions, the choices, people who influenced us, as well as to what Tim Galloway calls the inner game of a person's state of consciousness and self-awareness. These third generation's approaches are uh, grounded in a both end or what I like to call yes, yes, yes perspective. So here we're not talking about internal versus external problems versus resources, past versus future, cognitive versus somatic or emotional versus rational. We're talking about internal and external problems and resources, conscience and unconscious, past and future, cognitive and somatic, emotional and rational. And um, generation, uh, uh, generative trends and psychedelic assisted therapy are the types of approaches that belong to this third generation of therapy. And what are the biggest benefits that we have to date um, collected statistics about in order to show uh, for this third generation of therapy? Well, first and foremost, um, it, this 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 type of approaches, they encompass a broader and deeper type of work than the predecessors. So in emphasizing that a person is responsible for creating their own lives, it puts the well-being um, in our own hands. It just gives us control over our health, over our, 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 our mental well-being. It doesn't polarize. It integrates both the conscious and the unconscious. And most importantly, it doesn't label you or make any part of us feel like an idiot. So every aspect in this third generation uh, therapy has value, uh, whether we're talking about your experiences, whether we're talking about positive or negative internal states, if we're talking about beliefs, triggers, historical experiences, uh, creative imagination, somatic states, and so forth. All of these in third generation approaches are perceived and consciously employed as resources. Um, it, we're not here to do away with anything, with any part of ourselves. We're not here to bypass any part of ourselves. We're here to bring all of all of these pieces into a, sim a symbiotic relationship, bring them to the foreground, to conscious awareness, and um, make them uh, work for us versus against us. Um, so we look to the future, we, we are focused on our purpose and our goals, we do the affirmations and the positive thinking and the gratitude, but we don't overlook the past and we don't uh, underestimate the power that it has had on us. We don't look at it also with the lens of um, something that we need to get rid of, but we look at it with the lens of something that we can tap into so that we can use it to empower us or ourselves. And studies upon studies have been emerging to highlight the incredible benefits of these third-generation approaches. And specifically, when we look at psychedelic-assisted therapy, 
um, we can we can spend days and days looking at different studies and researches. But let's just look at one of one of them that I really uh, was impressed with, and that is uh, a randomized clinical trial, um, which um, was was a study titled "The Effects of Psilocybin-Assisted Therapy in Major Depressive Disorder." And there, the researchers found that as little as one or two assisted administrations of psilocybin in sessions spaced about a week apart, so basically two different ceremonies, of, and that was um, an 11-hour total, so that's two ceremonies of, of about five and a half hours each, uh, involving as little as a 25 milligram dose per session with the support of a therapist, and this is a critical element. So the support of the therapist is a key c- criteria or component for a an effective and beneficial um, psilocybin-assisted therapy. Um, well, this provided lasting positive relief from major depression in 75% of the cases. So 75% of the people who participated in this study had been um, diagnosed with major depressive disorder and they reported such incredible results with minimal adverse effects uh, at the end of the sessions. Um, Now, during those sessions and the weeks after, uh, these people continued to experience improvements in the way that... um, you, you know, they they were not able to find with other tools that they had used before. And those tools that they reported were uh, included coaching, included cognitive and behavioral therapy, included mindfulness, included antidepressants and other types of therapy. So this kind of sums up the answer to our question for today. The you know, third-generation therapy with the psychedelic renaissance at the forefront is giving us our power back. Let's let's face it. I mean, we we have never experienced, never before in history experienced such tremendous impactful results uh, in such quick um, uh, time spans. We are getting our control back. We are getting our, um, you know power back, and most importantly, we're getting our well-being back. Um, Our mental health is improving. And finally, for a very long time in history, we are able to make breakthroughs when it comes to the mental health spheres. And all of this is thanks to the psychedelic um, uh, advancements and um, uh, therapies. So and of course also applicable to chronic conditions this is isn't this just incredible that one or two sessions with psilocybin can achieve much more than years and years of therapy and i'm able to testify for uh, for these effects myself because i have started my journey of self development um with traditional therapy, with the black leather couch, where I've spent about 15 years of my life with limited results. Of course, it was very good for for me to do that, but the results were very slow and very limited. Um, To eventually go into coaching and and then actually study coaching myself uh, so that I would be able to 
self-regulate myself and um, then eventually to 10 years ago come upon psychedelics with ibogaine, um, ayahuasca, psilocybin, peyote um, and uh, this self-experimentation has brought me to where I am today and I could have never gotten here uh, without the help of psychedelics. Again, this is not um, to say that I'm I'm recommending everyone to do psychedelics. I'm just sharing my own personal experience. Because imagine where all of these, uh, the third generation of therapy is going to take us. I, I just It's just mind-blowing to think about it. Imagine a world without mental illness, a world without depression, no anxiety, no PTSD. What would that look like? Have a good week.